no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. What's up, everybody? Happy, happy Sunday afternoon. Have not came at you with a Sunday show in quite some time. I guess, well, I guess the pay-per-view post shows sometimes we do on Sunday mornings, but not a Sunday afternoon. I, uh, you know, I wanted to get something up here on the main feed related to current events because I think this week on the show, especially for our Patreon supporters, we're going to be going back in time a little bit, looking at uh, Brian Pillman. On Monday, for the 25th anniversary of, of his untimely passing, we're going to be looking at Bad Blood 97 later in the week. So we had to talk some some modern pro wrestling. And boy, it's not like there's much in the news these days. So it's really hard to, you know, scrape together uh, a topic to talk about. Uh, unfortunately, Justin and Kyle could not be with me today. Um, Justin, you know, he's got the new baby at home. Pretty busy. I did see him earlier today, though. We had lunch together, but then he had to had to deal with the kids after that. And Kyle, his shoot job, uh, Sundays are very busy for him. So I had to call in a replacement, and boy, do I have one for you. He's been on the show many, many times before. He is the host of the Pro Wrestling Unplugged and Undeniable podcast. Longtime friend of the show, patron of the show, Mr. Jesse Velasquez. Jesse, how you doing? Everything is really well. That new car smell has never worn off when it comes to appearing on Top Rope Nation. I always value my time here, and thank you so much for asking me to come on and join you today with this wonderful topic that you have chosen. Yeah, I mean, you were an, you were an obvious choice. Look, I mean, like I said, you've been on the show many times before. You've done some great ones. I mean, the uh, the Scott Hall Memorial Show that we did, uh, Frank was on that one, Frank Pettiani as well. And, you know, I've done your show Kyle's done your show. Justin's done your show. So a lot of, you know, building some serious camaraderie here between the two podcasts. And I, hey, look, I traveled to Chicago with you for All Out here just a, uh, not even two months ago, Jesse. And it turns out we may have seen the last match of CM Punk for sure in AEW, maybe ever in the building that night. Would you have ever thought that that night? No, and not even... Two minutes into hopping into your car, did I think that that was going to be the answer either in spite of the pyrotechnics that took place on that ride home? I'll never forget sitting in traffic as you're in the back seat pulling up the scrum or the notes on the scrum and you're like, what is going on here? And uh, Tim and you and myself, we get back to the hotel and we turned on YouTube and watched it and we were just dumbfounded. What is Punk doing? What is Tony Khan doing? And... You know, it's it's led us to this discussion today and all of the news that was hitting this week about is Punk out at AEW for good? Uh, could he possibly go back to the WWE? And that's what we're going to be talking about today and just kind of running through the news and then a little bit of speculation on, on what the future might hold, Jesse. And so, yeah, again, I appreciate you jumping on short notice, but as a veteran of Top Rope Nation, I knew you could do it. And this is going to be a solid show, I am sure. So... It's CM Punk. I mean, you and I have had multiple discussions about this gentleman in the very short time that we have known each other. So if there is one topic that we can definitely wax poetic about, it is definitely this one. I think so. This is going to be an interesting show. And if you guys are joining us live in the chat room here on the YouTube stream or on Twitch uh, or on Twitter, let us know. Um, get your thoughts in. We'll get you included in the show. And of course, if you're listening on the podcast feeds, Thank you for your support. Please hit subscribe, 
rate us five stars, leave us a written review, even better. Uh, I was talking about Patreon a little bit ago. Great stuff on the horizon for that. I'll talk more about that later in the show, but uh, link in the broadcast description. If you want to become a patron, it is the best way to support Top Rope Nation. So Jesse, um, you know, some of this news that was breaking this week, so I guess it would have been Friday morning, uh, everybody started talking about it because Dave and the Observer had the report that, you know, they're negotiating this, this buyout. I can't really say that it was surprising. I mean, in the immediate aftermath of all of this going down after All Out and Scrum, I mean, we said on the show at the time it was hard to envision Punk would come back. We were hopeful that he could possibly work it out because look, there's so much money that could be made off of this situation if they could get these guys to work together. I mean, how how hopeful were you that they could do that? Did you have any inclination whatsoever that maybe Punk would be coming back or were you pretty much on the side of he's gone? I think the blessing in disguise that led me to believe that he was coming back was that he injured his triceps and he would be out for about seven months, maybe a little bit longer. So you figure you have all that time to mend fences with Punk, or sorry, with the Young Bucks, with Kenny Omega and Tony Khan, I suppose, as well. There is a lot of apologies that you can hand out. So I assume just with time, it heals the vast majority of wounds. Mm-hmm. So. This, this did come as a little bit of a surprise to me, and I know that there's been nothing spoken from any of the parties involved. We did learn that a steal was released a couple of days ago. So another assumption of mine was that with that happening, that might be the first domino in effect to see Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks potentially returning as well in a couple of weeks. So I was like, okay, they're going to start mending fences. I guess that means we're probably going to, in the next month, we'll hear something from CM Punk. And hopefully, again, they, they could mend the fences. Unfortunately, that is not the case. And I will say in a scale of one to 10, in terms of being shocked, Probably about a seven and a half. Yeah. Those reasons I stated. I was, you know, very hopeful just because, I mean, what's the other option? WWE? I mean, can you see CM Punk going back to the WWE? We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But like the guy appeared when he, when he came back last year, he appeared to be so happy to be there. He, I don't, I don't want to say like Babe Ruth, but he was almost like treated like a, a living legend, you know, of pro wrestling. Uh, by the company he was given so much respect and he had this great comeback to her um, arguably they didn't push him enough you know during those early days with some of the feuds he was working you know it took a long time to get him into the title picture but he had a lot of memorable matches in just one year and so you know I, I just I kind of thought I was boy it was hard it felt kind of like they were going to have to have a situation where they'd have to go either the elite or punk and I couldn't imagine a scenario where they would choose punk over the elite there's just i just can't imagine you could even make that choice there would you agree it just it seems like there's more money to be made with the elite than punk at this stage most likely i think the longevity age is going to pay play a factor into this as well and obviously i think the jacksons are a decade younger than punk and kenny's about five years so Mm -hmm. there is some separation i think in terms of like squeezing all of the juice out that you could with punk you didn't i mean there's still like you alluded to there's a lot of money left on the table so i think for the lifespan of AEW, and also i think 
maybe from just kind of what their mission statement was back in 2019, it was to be the true alternative. And CM Punk did fit that mold for a like pretty much the vast majority of his career. He was yeah. somebody who in who was in Ring of Honor and was brought in by the WWE because again, he had a little bit of internet buzz. And that's the one thing that All Elite Wrestling has they've done a pretty good job of serving their fans. They've done a phenomenal job, I think, in the last few months, ever since this has happened. They haven't. And I, I think now that they can truly get back to their roots and to where it started, just because you're, unfortunately, it looks like you're removing a locker room cancer. Mm-hmm. And it's hard not to look at it that way because we know what happened in WWE. And we had some discussion going on in our, our Facebook group about this um, this week. And I, I don't blame Punk for how he left WWE. There's no, like, you you couldn't blame him for being as angry as he was with the medical situation that happened and everything. And even his booking, you know, um, to some extent there at the end, but he had a rep leaving there. There's no doubt about it. And then the way that it's flamed out in AEW, it's, it's, it makes it a lot harder to defend him. It does look like he is a guy who has this black cloud that, that hangs over him, unfortunately. And you, you look at the juice that was left with AEW. There was multiple dream matches that they never got to. You know, everyone hoped we'd get the Kenny Omega Punk title feud eventually, right? You're putting Punk and Brian back together. We've seen it before. It's been many, many years. Um, they did, you know, we got MJF, luckily. It would have been great if Punk would have been the guy to drop the title to MJF, as I think was originally planned, unfortunately. And then Punk got injured and then the press conference. But like, there was stuff on the horizon. But at the same time, and this is something that Wade Keller talked about, I highly suggest people check out PW Torch VIP. Wade did a great podcast on this uh, this morning. Um, but he talked about, you know, the height of CM Punk and like getting the money for his return and that, that initial excitement. That's already happened. So they probably did already get the height of what they were going to get out of CM Punk. Uh, with the elite, as you alluded to, Jesse, the younger guys, they still have a lot. You know, they've been around, you know, the whole time with the promotion, but they they still have a lot that they could build up to with those guys. Punk, a veteran guy, they could have had the dream matches, but yeah, they already did get that that bump for his return, the surprise return at the United Center, the initial first match, you know, his first championship victory. There's no doubt he was a net positive for the company. Uh, WrestleNomics had a, a tweet up about this, I think yesterday, talking about how you know, like the three biggest gates. Punk is responsible for three of the top 10 selling merchandise pieces this year. Punk is responsible for uh, the ratings did go up. But then as Wade got into, is it did the business increase enough to put up with the negatives that have now come out? And I think that's where you can make the argument that probably not when you have when you're talking one guy or a steel. But I mean, I can't really factor in a steel as a factor. You got punk on one side and then you got Kenny Omega, the young bucks. Adam Page, it's really difficult to make the argument that you should go with Punk there. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, they got they got the excitement out of that eight-year hiatus and then return. But moving forward, I just think there's more to be made on the other side. Now, the most money to be made probably was the two sides working together. And it's not unprecedented in pro wrestling history for people who hate each other or who have even been in real fights to still do business and make money. You know, I put this out on Twitter. Look at Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels went on national television and alluded to Bret Hart having an affair, so much so that Bret Hart's kids asked him about it the next day. It was not a veiled reference. Everybody knew what Shawn was talking about. And that led to a ba backstage fight in Hartford. 
but they still worked together. Sean was the referee at SummerSlam. Of course, they had the match in Montreal. So they were still able to come together and have a match, even though they despised each other. This scenario here with CM Punk and the the slight that was made to him by Hangman Page back in May in the build, I think it was the go-home show, wasn't it? Yes. To Double or Nothing Mm -hmm. about not standing up for workers' rights. That flew over the heads of almost everybody watching. It was such a minor thing. And for that to be the thing that spiraled this whole thing out of control is so unfortunate because it didn't matter to anyone but Punk. It, like, it gives you such a view into his own psyche and what drives this guy and what <laughs> makes him think negatively. I think that that injury he had a double or nothing or right after double or nothing was the worst thing that could happen because it sent him home. So that he could sit around for a couple of months just stewing about this rather than just moving on. You know, if he's the world champion all summer and he's working TV every week, I think he's he's almost forced to move on from it. I mean, even in the immediate aftermath when he was still around, it didn't seem like he was bugged that much by it. You know, his his scrum at double or nothing. He did, he looked very happy. He didn't go off on that. Um, at the forum, you know, with FTR and everything, like, he looked very happy. So I, I imagine that if he had not gotten injured, it wouldn't have been the scenario where he stews about it for a couple of months and he comes back and he takes it upon himself to think, I'm going to get my receipt and I'm going to go after Hangman and what happens happens. And then, you know, he believes that the Bucks and, and Kenny are leaking this information to the media and he's got this, you know, me against the world complex going on in his head. And it leads to this unfortunately i don't know I, I i've talked a lot here jesse but what, what do you think about some of that that i just said you nailed it and what there were some seeds planted already with uh, eddie kingston alluding to it in a few promos there's probably some shoot comments in there about he's how the locker room can't stand you already this was not even a year ago before their full gear match you'd hangman allude to it in that exact same promo I'm here to save AEW from you. Mm-hmm. I can't really recall if MJF went into that at all with any of his promos. But again, I think the writing was on the wall from some of the talent backstage that there was some truths told during those promos as opposed to it just being told in character. And it feels like, you know, with MJF, him working as a heel he could get away with it a little more versus, you know, with Paige and you're doing this baby face, baby face thing. And, you know, I was there at Vegas. That was a very split crowd <laughs> down the middle. I mean, pretty much 50-50 between those guys. And and the booking, you know, put him in that weird weird scenario where we did. I mean, we saw Paige kind of work a little heelish in his promos up to that match, uh, going after people wearing punk shirts in the crowd and things like that. But... Yeah, I mean, I, th- I feel like with MJF, maybe he could have brushed it off a little bit more just based on the char- character dynamics. And I don't recall either right off the top if if he made anything that Punk would like stew about backstage. You know, this is the negative of not having scripted promos. But we know Punk is a guy who doesn't like having scripted promos. And he's one of the best at dishing out stuff to people, you know, over the course of his career. So it does kind of make you feel like he can dish it but not take it you know, unfortunately. And I mean, there's no way around that. We've got people checking in the chat here. Uh, Ryan Gorman, Punk has been my favorite wrestler for a long time. And the last few months really changed that for me. All the backstage stuff is ridiculous. Felt like his ego was stroked pretty seriously by Tony. I think there is something to that. You know, Tony grew up admiring and as a young man, admiring Punk. It was a dream signing for him 
uh, Wade talked about this on his podcast. There was stuff in the future, probably creatively, that Wade was more excited, or not Wade, that Tony was more excited about for Punk than the uh, the Elite. But it got to this point where he had to, you know, if he's got to pick a side, it's got to be the Elite. He's, you know, he squeezed a lot of the juice out of the the Punk return. Uh, Carl checking in, veteran of the show as well. I mentioned on the Facebook group the way Punk looked at TK in the scrum when the question about MJF being cheered at the end of All Out spoke volumes to me. Yeah, he was not happy about that. I think that came across too when when MJF came at the end, right after Punk had won the world title, and the crowd was chanting for him, and he got that big pop right away. I think that that hurt his ego. I don't I don't know how else to say it. I think it did. That bothered him too. Would you agree? You were there. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. Yeah, it almost felt like because he was in his hometown again when he won the title, and you saw you were there for the the introductions with Punk and Moxley. Punk did get a fairly Titanic pop, but nothing in comparison to what he got at the United Center, yeah. or I believe Win Trust in December when he or February when he originally wrestled MJF as well. So it just felt like again the kind of that new car smell on him was starting to wear off because when Moxley came out, the crowd there was definitely a positive response, and when the match oh, started, yeah. mm-hmm. I would say it was sixty forty Punk. Yeah. So I'd agree with that. yeah, and then. So when the match ends, lights go out, you see all that. I That was arguably either the or second biggest pop of the night was MJF. It was even bigger than Punk actually winning the match, which should have been, I guess, in most cases, the conclusion to a pay-per-view because you also yeah. had the acclaim that was just a mammoth pop as well. But mm-hmm. back to the subject to hand with Punk. Yeah, it, it definitely hit his ego. And there is there's just so many truths from a lot of the things that he said in the back and forth of Triple H, which I'm sure we're going to dive into momentarily, but there was some truths into what Triple H was saying too, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. No, I think leaving the show that night all out this year was the even before we got in the car and you pulled up the stuff going on in the scrum, I felt like something was off just how Punk left the ring that night because yeah, I was there for the year before when he made his his comeback and he, you know he it seemed like he just looked happier in the ring you know what I mean like when he when he left the ring at all out this year he did get on the mic but it was very brief you know like he didn't I expected him winning the world title in his hometown for him to talk a little bit and he only said like a few sentences. I can't even remember exactly what he said, but it was basically like, you know, thanks for coming out kind of thing. And that was about it. <laughs> and then we got up and left. I thought he was going to talk for five, 10 minutes, to be honest with you. So I kind of just sensed then and there that he was pissed about something. And boy, when we saw the scrum and the way Tony was looking at him. Oh man. I mean, it, he, it was premeditated. No doubt about it. He was planning on doing this. And you know, like, do you think he did that? Cause he was injured and he knew he was going to be gone for a while did and that's why he went in heavy like do you think he would have went in heavy like that on the bucks and, and the hangman and omega if he knew that he was working in tv the, every week for the next several months that's a thought that had never occurred to me and i think the answer is probably probably and again yeah. it was probably a 30 second speech not even and he said it means a lot for a 40 something year old guy like me to hear these responses in my hometown of chicago and then it was something along the lines of drive safely whatever that yeah. was at 
So, yeah, I'm I'm assuming something went wrong. I haven't I've only I've watched that match one time since getting back. I'd have to watch it again to see if there was an exact instance where he tore his tricep muscle because mm-hmm. yeah, I I don't even remember him even in the in the scrum if he had any ice on it or anything like that because a lot of the focus was just on how old and tired and how bloody that his face still was yeah. just right after that match was over. And Tony Khan as well looked like he hadn't slept in days. It was just an absolute <laughs> nightmare for AEW. I've seen the side-by-sides of you know Punk and Tony at the double or nothing scrum and then them at All Out. And it is like night and day. I mean... Punk just had this wild look in his eyes the whole time, you know? And so I just feel like Tony's hand is, he, he, I talked about it on the show at the time, uh, right after I was told by someone there, the only way that this is going to work is if Punk apologizes to the entire locker room. And from the sounds of it, I mean, almost nobody is on his side right now. Like if he walked back, Hangman Page is one of the most well-liked people in the AEW locker room. And we saw that with what happened with the concussion this last week. So the idea that you could go in on him like that and not lose the locker room is insanity. And the only way people could even want to see him back is he would have to make that right. He would have to go in there and give a speech to the whole locker room and basically apologize and take full responsibility. And that's something you can't really see Phil Brooks doing. So knowing that, how does he even possibly return? And so we get to this idea of, you know, now they have a buyout. We don't know how long Punk's contract is. Uh, That was never revealed. Now, we can look at other people, and a lot of them have been brought in on three-year deals. And if that's the case, Punk signed uh, in the summer of 21, so he would be signed for another just under two years, another year year and a half or so. I think July. I think he signed at the end of July of 21. So a buyout doesn't guarantee you to the full salary. You know, they would have to work that out. I mean, just if you follow professional sports, that's not what happens. They work out a different agreement and very sport to sport. But supposedly, you know, they're talking about this buyout. We know Ace Steel has been fired and now Punk's on his way out. And they've been talking about the buyout for several weeks. The story just broke now, but, you know, this has been something, this has been the dialogue. And so the sticking point, as the stories have indicated, is what it looks like for a non-compete, because um, Punk apparently does not want a long compete, a, a long non-compete. There, imagine if they have the buyout and they want him to not be able to appear on television till the summer of twenty-four. If it's a three-year contract, that's not going to work for Punk, and that can only mean one thing: that he wants to work WWE, or at least have the option to work WWE, possibly. And we could have never imagined. CM Punk returning to the WWE. And now, I mean, it is a po- it's a possibility. I won't say that it's more likely that it happens than it doesn't, but clearly Punk saying in his camp saying that they want the non-compete length to be shorter means he at least wants the option. And you know, there's a big thing that's happened in the wrestling world that makes this more likely and that's the fact that Vince McMahon is not there anymore. And now you got Hunter and Stephanie running the show and Hunter is more likely to bring in Punk than Vince McMahon would be. It also gives Punk an out because he can say, "Ah, well, I wasn't going to ever work for WWE again while Vince was around, but I'll work. You know, now there's a whole different management structure. So now he can, in his own mind, he can probably work that out that it's acceptable. 
I don't think that it would ever be a long-term deal. It wouldn't be a situation where Punk comes in and he's working full-time for a couple of years. Look, his body can't handle that. We've seen that now. He's been injured two serious injuries in the last year. He wouldn't be a world champion, but they could bring him in you know, for spot shows here and there. They could bring him in for a WrestleMania. Hell, Punk's always talked about he never got to main event WrestleMania. They could make the pitch. Look, come back for a main event WrestleMania match. Millions of dollars. Work in Saudi Arabia. Maybe he wants to do that. He's, I think the rumored amount of his AEW contract was around $3 million per year. So, he, this, this is, and if you get a buyout too, this is not a guy that would have to work again if he's wise with his money. But, you know, he's he's been making some big money, merchandising, the AEW contract. I, what, what do you think of the prospect of CM Punk returning to WWE, Jesse? Money talks. Yeah, it's the only way. I'm not 100% sure how he would feel about going to Saudi Arabia. I don't know how, from an alignment of his views, if that would sit Mm -hmm. well with him. But any other payday that they would offer him, I'm willing to bet he's probably going to take it now. And you alluded to it, Vince is gone. I know that him and Hunter don't have the greatest relationship. However, I know that, again, money talks and... Punk and Hunter can can they they can coexist, I think, just for the betterment of not only world wrestling entertainment, but also CM Punk himself, the entity. So don't rule that out. And I was going to make a joke about the uh, what was it? Oh, yeah, they all out scrum with uh, how can you be unhappy eating a muffin? <laughs> right. He was angry. Was delicious looking. Yeah. He's eating a muffin. He's I'm tired. I'm old, cranky, and I work for effing children he's that is just gonna be that whole scrum is just gonna be a joke for years to come people are just gonna look back at that and joke about everything just the optics of the cupcake the look in his eyes tk's look you know everything that was said man what didn't just what an unfortunate ending yeah I, I i agree with you i think he'll be very open to working some spot shows here and there for big paychecks i i just i think he can rationalize it in his head um, I was talking with Justin about this. Now, we don't know how long he's going to be out. I I heard like eight months because of this torn triceps at one point. That would put him post-WrestleMania unless he has a quick recovery. We know they want to do Roman and Rock. And we've, we've said many times on this show, you know, what if The Rock can't do it? What if he gets a big offer for a movie? His age, the fact that he got hurt before work in WrestleMania. Like, I just, I don't think it's a given that match is going to happen. I mean, could you see them if he was healthy saying, all right, we're going to sub him in for The Rock. We're going to do Roman and CM Punk. Punk, come back. Here's your WrestleMania main event. You're working Roman Reigns. Of course he wouldn't win, but it would be an interesting match, no? The timing is absolutely perfect. I think that's a big reason why this whole buyout deal is starting to come to the forefront. It's like, hey, I can get loose and go main event, it would be night one of a two-night extravaganza as opposed to maybe uh, night four of a buy one, get one extravaganza (laughs) as well. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, it's not going to make as much money as Roman and Rock. However, it's still going to bring in a big deal of business, and it's also going to fire up the WWE rabid fan base as well. So social media, as always, will be anticipating something swinging one way and then everybody's just hogpiling on top of that. So yeah. it's going to definitely make for fodder and just very interesting. Yeah. Just very interesting storylines heading down the road. 
Yeah, and like, and like I said, I don't know that he he will even be able to go by WrestleMania. But I mean, look ahead to SummerSlam could be a future WrestleMania. There's certainly things that they could do that would, as a fan, be appealing. But it's going to be as has been alluded to in the chat. Hard to look at Punk the same way again. I mean, Punk's been one of my top five of the 2000s. I was very excited to see him return. And there's no doubt that what's happened here it leaves a little bit of a a sour taste with CM Punk. And uh, Ryan mentioned in the chat Cody versus Punk. Punk would have to be, he would want to see Punk as a heel. I feel like he almost has to work heel just based on what's, what has happened. And, you know, Punk honestly has always been better as a heel anyways. Uh, Ryan also said, if uh, Punk is as vindictive as he's appeared lately, he'll want to stick it to AEW. Yeah, he will. Now, what'll be interesting is I think legally there'll be things he just can't talk about, uh, you know, as a, as a condition, maybe of the buyout, even like he's not allowed to go on there and, and go after the elite you know, or something like that. He'd probably make veiled references at AEW, though, for sure, if this goes down. Um, Justin told me that one of the reasons he doesn't want to see Punk in WWE is because he'll have to then deal with the WWE loyalists on Twitter, who are then, oh, look, we stole them from you and all this stuff. Yes. Which I agree with. (laughs) It's going to be, like I said, it's going to be rough sledding for those in social media land, that is for sure. With Punk and with a punk Cody feud would be kind of fun, wouldn't it? And oh, yeah. Yeah. I think, and another thing too, that might be benefiting a return for him would be this to see the way that Cody's been treated as well. Uh, even though he's only been in the company for two to three months or to before he got injured as well. I mean, he, it looked like he carried over probably 90% of his gimmick from AEW. And mm-hmm. I think that obviously punk will probably be able to carry over a, probably the same percentage of his character moving, moving back to the WWE. So it would definitely make a lot of sense for him to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Carl, Carl checking in here. Uh, punk is a heel renegade outsider in WWE or AW would interest me, but WWE would ruin it for sure. I mean, hard, <laughs> hard to disagree with that. Um, but I mean, like to the point of Hunter being in charge, he is, even though him and and CM Punk may have not personally gotten along, Punk's the type of wrestler that Hunter gets. Just look at his time in, in NXT. He pushed the smaller looking guys, whereas to Vince, Punk never looked like a top guy. And so even though like they might not get along, Hunter recognizes if there's money to be made, if there's something interesting creatively about it, he'll do it. And so definitely the door's more open to this now. Um because of the drama, I don't think they would want him around full time. I mean, there's a there's a sizable chunk of the WWE locker room, too, that doesn't want him there just because of how this happened. They have friends in AEW. They all talk. And with Punk having such a negative reaction or a negative reputation in AEW now, that's going to carry over to WWE, too. And he would have to go a little ways towards winning that locker room over as well. I mean, certainly there's people there that were there when he was there in his last run, too. There's a lot of new faces too who don't know them, and all they know is what they've been told by their friends in AEW. And so he's gonna, I mean, it's gonna be awkward for this guy. Not that he cares, but it's gonna be awkward no matter where he ends up. Don't you he's think? got a handful of people that he can, I think, lean on, like a Kofi Kingston. I know they had a great relationship there. Yeah. And Kofi's obviously is one of the most well-respected veterans in that entire locker room. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if over the last few years, if he's had interactions with the New Day stable mates as well, like Xavier Woods and a biggie, just to kind of get in, get in close with them too. I'm trying to think of some others that would be an example. And I don't know what the dynamic was. That's, this is an excellent point as well, kind of on the fly. Thinking about Cody, one of Cody Rhodes' last promos in AEW. 
and how he mentioned that how punk paved the way but then cody went out and did everything that punk said he was going to do Mm -hmm. you can literally play that into a feud immediately and yeah so i think that would be a great almost either a lead-in feud or something along the magnitude of let's just say a reigns punk match would happen you could go right into a punk cody feud immediately following with a triceps injury it can heal as early as i think six months but mm-hmm. because of the wear and tear that's been on his body, people may have forgotten as well that there was a he was training mixed martial arts for two years. Yeah, it's not like he. Yeah, it's not like he's this just shiny new car in the just sitting in the garage that hasn't that the Ferrari hasn't been thrown out there in a while. This mm-hmm. is probably about a hundred and forty thousand miles on a <laughs> two thousand and fourteen Toyota Camry. At yeah. this point, I don't know what the value is in CM Punk from a physical standpoint. No, you just you can't count on him to to be there long term either. So I I think short stories would be what they would lean into uh, in the chat. I feel like Triple H will do it because they're coming up on new TV negotiations and they'll be looking for high ratings. I mean, yeah, again, it would it would impact the ratings a little bit. We know WWE has been doing fairly well recently, but also. You know, AEW's TV contract is going to be coming up and they're looking to do good numbers so that, you know, the company can remain healthy and viable. And we've everything we've seen is that Warner Media is very much uh, in favor of AEW. You know, they've, they've leaned into their ratings and press releases and how they've talked about them. So it seems like they're going to be all right. But to that point, look, when Punk hasn't been around, we talked about, you know, they got that juice from his initial return and maybe his AEW run had already reached its peak. I mean, they haven't really missed him on TV. They've been fine, you know, since he was he had the absence in the summer and since he's been gone in September. It's not like they lost a ton of viewership. Uh, you know, same thing with the elite, frankly, right now. I mean, so um, they I would it bump them a little bit if they could have worked this out and drawn money. Yeah, it could have done business on pay-per-view, too. But as we alluded to at the very beginning, is it enough of a bump? to put up with the drama. And that, I think that's eventually where we're at with the situation and why we're looking at a possible WWE return, you know, in a buyout. One thing that I think you, you didn't allude to, but you kind of hit around a little bit was the 2021, where just the ratings. You, you would think with the additions of Punk, Danielson, Adam Cole, and the likes in September, and they continuously started to slowly build the roster that you would think that the ratings would start to go consistently in the one fours. If you're really dreaming, I mean, dreaming, you're thinking like one, seven, one, eight, close to two with that type of what you would believe to be alleged star power in terms of pro wrestling and ratings and drawing things in like that as well, because we've seen the WWE and how it's steadily declined it finally hit their bottom, I think, where they're starting to come up a couple hundred thousand viewers again, just thanks to the little, just with Vince leaving and Triple H taking over, there's maybe some renewed optimism amongst those who don't feel as burned like you and I and some of our Top Rope Nation followers do. So I think that, yeah, I just, it, it's just really odd to me, You're, and you definitely nailed it, I believe, Ryan, that the juice is definitely not worth the squeeze in terms of I mean, he's not bringing in extra two, three, four hundred thousand viewers in like he did with that rampage where that's the only sh- rampage show that has gone over a million viewers. Yeah. Yeah. It's gone. The yeah. rampage is an afterthought at this point. Yeah. 
I yeah, I know. I think I think as a new company, it was going to take some time, even with those guys around, to possibly get to that kind of growth. But I mean, they they bumped the numbers a little bit. Pay per view was increasing. I mean, they did their biggest pay per view numbers that they had done. But yeah, you were hoping to for them to get you know that one point four ish territory rather than I mean, for a little while there they were what one point one one point two just off of memory um, with all the star power. And then, you know, they started having the injuries. Kenny was gone. You know, Punk was gone. Uh, Brian got hurt for a little while. So it was, it seemed like it was hard, for, even with the new guys, Cole was gone. It seemed like it was hard for them to sustain that momentum, you know, unfortunately. I mean, they're still doing good. They're still ranking usually top three on cable every Wednesday night. But yeah, looking at the overall total viewership, hoping they could you know, bump it up a little bit more. Um, how would you, so looking back on the year that he spent pretty much exactly a year with AEW, uh, notwithstanding that injury. So I guess more like nine months, but what, what are, what are your personal highlights? Do you have a favorite match of punks run in AEW match? Gotta go dog collar. Same. I think with MJF and the magnitude behind it and, I mentioned this on Twitter. I would love your opinion on this, and as well as the people that are listening right now and in the comments. I, we all know that MJF is very good. We all know that he was going to be on this meteoric rise at some point in time. I mean, it's starting to stand out. What I said was that Punk, in my personal opinion, was such a, such a bridge to get him there a little bit faster. And I don't think that if you could have put someone in between there that these results that MJF has been experiencing recently, I don't think he'd quite be in this same spot. And if he was in this same spot, I don't think the buzz would quite be there. There was such an emotional tie with Punk and Max being linked with Max's favorite wrestler and idolizing Punk and just that whole story and just how... It drew a lot of emotion. It felt it felt real to me, damn it. And, mm-hmm. and I, I just don't think that there was another performer on that roster that could that could bring those types of stories out, at least not at that point, like Punk could with MJF. So if I were to look at the huge positives that he had there, it's definitely that one. And I'll go into like one quick negative, and this was something that Wade Keller brought up that I, I loved, is bringing him in for that year delayed guys like a jungle boy, maybe even a Darby Allen or just those likes Sammy Guevara, just some people that were on their way up. It, it, it delayed their pushes and it delayed their momentum. So when you mentioned the injuries that took place, these guys were now getting kind of bumped up into that. When in reality, if punk hadn't been there, they probably would already be established and maybe you could keep that steady increase of viewers or just like not having it just do this nice little wave. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot to digest. There's some great points. I, I agree with you on punk and MJF. They, they were perfect for each other. It's such a shame that punk's not going to be the guy to drop the title. I do think that, you know, you look at the momentum MJF has always been um, him and Darby, probably the biggest, like, homegrown stars in AEW, you know, would you agree? Because like Paige was already well known before AEW. Um, at least yeah. on the men's side. Yeah. Paige is kind of fringe, I would mm-hmm. say, in terms of well known. 
I I know. I think when I mentioned Homegrown, I said you could possibly include Hangman in there. But yes, yeah. MJF and Darby, I would not argue with you on that. And so, like with MJF, you know, having that rise, and it, yeah, Punk working with him early in the year was like the perfect moment because that brought him up to the situation where we got to double or nothing where it was all about mjf and then all the drama with the contract and everything and uh and everything that's got us to this point it seems like punk was the guy that really put him over the top when he had that momentum and yeah again like that's why they were planning on punk dropping the title to him it just made sense these guys had split two matches uh punks i agree with you again punk's best match in AEW was the dog collar match um, at Revolution, and so their third match would, would have been this upcoming, probably at Full Gear, if he would have remained healthy and not had the blow up. You know that would have been uh, you know the third match in the series, and they're one to one going into that. They had a tag match too, like a six man, but uh, just the two singles matches. So it all worked out so perfectly. They were made for each other on the mics, obviously with the back and forth. And you know, would MJF have been what he is now without the Punk feud? He probably would have still got there, but. It didn't hurt to have a guy like CM Punk, you know, there working with him. And it, it all worked out. Per- we, we predicted on our preview show of All Out exactly how that show was going to end with MJF returning and MJF coming out at the end to confront Punk. And that was perfect. And I think that, that was one of the best stories they had in their back pocket. So yeah. huge credit to MJF, William Regal, and John Moxley for just the situation that we're in right now that you're looking at a point to where punk is such a malcontent that I don't think they're going to skip a beat. They did skip some beats over the last two, three months while he was out, which you guys have alluded to multiple times on the show at how inconsistent the booking was and what had been going on. And I think we're starting to maybe see that it's because He's trying to sprinkle in Ring of Honor to in hopes of getting a TV deal in 2023. So again, I think Punk was the perfect bridge and he served his purpose in AEW for the time being. And yeah, I think it is definitely time to cut ties as sad as this is for me to say. But I mean, it's just, it's not, it just isn't feasible anymore for him to be there. Yeah, and then talking to you about your point of, of the locker room and some of those guys whose pushes were delayed, it's not like they have, you know, they don't have depth. This company is stocked, stacked with talent. Well stocked, I should say. I mean, and all, all of these guys that could eventually be world champions and people that haven't been on TV much. That's, you know, one of our points we've been critical of, of AEWs. They just don't, a lot of guys disappear for a long time. And, you know, there's been guys injured, you know. Brian's been hanging around the title picture, hasn't been world champion yet, but he's another legend who could, you know, help another person rise to prominence as well uh and darby was such a big star he hasn't felt like as big of a star lately but he's still there they can always bring him back and and obviously mjf is is the next the next big thing for the company um wade alluded to this on his podcast he believes that he's resigned already and that this is all just gonna be storyline going into 2024 which makes sense to me like why would you do that story if he's not signed like he's gonna be world champion whether it happens at full gear or shortly thereafter. And I just don't think you do that unless you've re-signed the guy. So Yeah, we completely agreed there. So I think from a CM Punk perspective, yeah, he's got to go. And uh, I'm just sitting here just kind of sighing and just, just it's kind of, I guess it shouldn't be surprising anymore 
just what we've seen over the last decade and how it now is starting to come to light that he's it seems this paint the picture that's being painted is that he's about himself or there 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 is something that happened down the road that made it in a roundabout way that now he's about himself as opposed to being a company guy right and you know like as a fan you want to give him the benefit of the doubt which i always have throughout this i want to hear both sides but when you hear these stories and these reports that almost the entire locker room is against him. It's hard to not say, look, this is, you know, where the responsibility lies. And obviously it was super unprofessional what happened in that scrum. So it is, it's time to, to split unless you know, some last minute hail Mary, they can, you know, have a big apology. It's, it's over, unfortunately, but yeah, I think they got a lot of good out of them in that year. Some dream matches we didn't get to, but you look at the, the lineup of just the pay-per-view matches that he worked, you know, the return match against Darby, which, it seemed like odd booking to put him in there with Darby and again, a baby face, baby face match, but they had a really good match. Um, that Eddie Kingston match at full gear up in your neck of the woods was a great, just regular singles match, but a great fight. Loved I loved it. that match. Um, we were both there for that revolution. The dog collar match. We already talked about the title win at double or nothing with Adam page night, not as best match, but a pretty dang good match still. I mean, there's yes. some blown spots in the match, uh, most notably, uh, Punk trying to hit the Lariat, but you know, whatever. It was still a, it was a title change. It was memorable. Huge crowd there in Las Vegas, and even the, the the Moxley match at All Out, the final match was a really really fun one too. So, I mean, lots of memorable moments. Did you appreciate this year of Punk for all of the Bret Hart tributes that he gave you? <laughs> I did, although I think I said once on the pod, like it was starting to get worn out. Even with FTR doing it, it's getting a little worn out. Like, all right, we need to we need to move beyond that. I have enjoyed as a Bret Hart fan, like the renaissance of the respect you see, at least on social media for Bret. A lot of the things I thought about him 20 years ago and the reasons why I always thought he was better than Sean, even though I liked Sean a lot too. Like Sean's in my top five of all time. Uh, it seems more people are becoming cognizant of the that reason and how how ahead of his time Brett was. And and to see these guys paying homage to him on TV was really, really cool stuff. And like if if you know Brett's career very well, you know, seeing those little tributes in the matches, like in the Derby match where the, he paid homage to the, the one, two, three kid match, the spot, yes. for the one, two, three kid match. That was super cool. Me and Kyle looked at each other in Chicago during that match in the crowd. And I pointed out like, that's the one, two, three kid match. And that was like where it all started. Of course, his first match back, but then we saw it many, many times. I, I loved it. I love seeing that. Um, I'm curious what Bret Hart's opinion is on all of this. That would be interesting. Yeah, that Sons of Hitman t-shirt. I kind of wanted that one with Punk yeah. and FGR on it. WrestleMania 8 with that homage in the Punk Page match as well. Yep. The title yeah. belt and the, and the conflict with Hangman. Yeah, yeah. I, just, there, there are a lot of good memories out there, so you can definitely say that this was a, a success for the short term. There are a lot of pros and there are a lot of cons, which we just talked about. We could even continue even waxing more about and but I mean one thing's for sure he's that he yeah he stood his place in in this time in this moment it was great for the pro wrestling world and I think that if he were to go back I mean if yeah I mean I guess here I'll ask you this question do you do you see him hanging it up rather than going back to WWE yeah I just feel like the paydays that they can dangle for him are going to be too appealing. Like, you know, 
it's cliche at this point, but everyone, everybody goes back. If, if Bret Hart can go back, certainly CM Punk can go back, right? Yes. I mean, I, I just can't be confident saying it's over for him. Yeah. Initially, probably I would have leaned that way, but I think the way that this has played out, he probably doesn't want that to be his last match. Even he's got, even if he's still mad about the way everything went down, he has to personally believe at some level in his own brain, he doesn't want to be remembered like that. And he's going to want to go out another way. So I don't think it's over. I think he'll have another match. I hope you are correct. I, I do. I mean, everybody deserves a second or a third or a fourth or a however many chances he's been getting right now. And I'm hoping for me is that he can captivate more attention on the WWE product than what Cody Rhodes did for me. Mm-hmm. I loved his debut at WrestleMania and but other than that I and the Hell in a Cell match obviously I really haven't watched much WWE because of Cody Rhodes and I'm curious just to see if CM Punk were to arrive there even in a part-time role which is looking more and more likely maybe the Brock schedule Mm-hmm. Just how much more attention that would bring not only to myself, but also you and the viewers and everybody out there. It would definitely make me a lot more likely to tune in <laughs> to the WWE product. You know, like this is another topic we'll we'll get into in the weeks ahead. And, and a lot of people have been very high on WWE. Um, I've been watching it here and there, not every single show. I, I will say I like watching a little more now than I did before, but I don't think it's a drastic improvement from the Vince era to the Hunter era. I feel like it's people grading on a curve. I, I I don't think it's as stark of a turnaround as some people would lead you to believe. Um, and so I, I feel like I still need a little push to get me to tune into that. I would still much rather watch AEW, even though certainly AEW has its problems, you know, as we've talked about on the pod too. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would be more likely to tune in if he went there. It would be awkward, no doubt about it. But I think, as we said earlier, he could rationalize it in his head because of the different leadership. And Hunter would be willing to work with him, even though there's other people in management that are telling Hunter no, I think that, you know, he's going to do his own thing and he can recognize money to be made and he can recognize the positives, you know, and, and on the AEW side, I don't think you can look at this as a failure. I think Punk's run was a success. Uh, the, obviously the ending is disappointing (laughs) to say the least. And it was a failure of how he left, but everything before that, I think the run was very successful as we just went through. Several memorable matches, great pay-per-view buy rates. Business did increase no no matter what Eric Bischoff wants to tell you. Business clearly, Uh in a measurable way, did increase. Merchandising was a success. His run there, you know, yeah, it was a success. It wasn't as long as we would have wanted, me, you, Kyle, or Justin. But unfortunately, this is what's gone down, and it appears that this is is what's going to happen. But you would agree, a success? It definitely was a success and post AEW they're starting to get back on track again I think if they're strapped the rocket to MJF which they already are doing mm-hmm. you have the acclaimed right now who my gosh they're one of the hottest talking points in AEW so I think you're starting to see a little bit more of a rebound and some cohesion that's been restored to that locker room and wait to see what happens. I suppose when the young bucks and Kenny Omega eventually make their return, which hopefully will be sooner rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. Once they get all the legal stuff out of the way, you know, Tony's being very careful. He doesn't comment on the situation for legal reasons. He can't appear to be favoring one side or the other, you know, but when the buyout gets handled, 
the legal situation is handled, I think you'll see them back very quickly. You know, and so you know, it'll be interesting how they follow up everything on that because I don't think they'll acknowledge it. But those guys coming back, it's going to be real, real interesting times in pro wrestling. And uh, I appreciate you, Jesse, hopping on the pod to talk about it with me today. Anything coming up on on your end creatively that you want to talk about, or where, where can the people find you? So uh, this is the start of the longest pro wrestling week audio wise that I've had in almost a year. So I appreciate you having me on the show. I will be recording with a Facebook Top Rope Nation member, Brian Zillum, tomorrow. Oh, nice. Wrestling's Unplugged and Undeniable. Yes, Google, Apple, and Spotify. I will be recording with Frank Pettiani, PW Torches Then and Now, Halloween Havoc 1997. And then on Friday, I will be doing my own version of Halloween Havoc 1997 with J.D. Oliva from Fight Game Media. He is very well versed in the WCW Times. I believe they have a 1-900-909-9900 podcast. Hmm. You should go check <laughs> nice. that out, too. Yeah. Jesse C. Velasquez on Twitter. And now, Ryan, as you know, I am writing and contributing for SE Scoops. I did. I was made aware of that. Yes, indeed. It's been great having you on our staff over there. You've been awesome, of course. Great hire. Enjoyed seeing your writing going up there lately. So, yeah, we'll keep that up, too. Dude, I got to say, with all that on your agenda, I'm happy you did this pod with me today. I don't know if I could have expected you to if I would have known you had all that going on this week. Busy yeah. man. You said CM Punk, and we were on our way out of the apple orchard, and I said, can I get home? Yeah, and he fell asleep in the car, so I said, I think we'll be okay for a little while. She said, sure. Sweet. Yeah, I mean, I I can always talk, I can talk CM Punk pretty much all day, so thank you for having me, Ryan. 100%, yeah, great. Great stuff. And uh, I got a busy week on my agenda, too, because, uh, you know, you guys all know I, I teach. We got conferences this week. I'm going to be busy a couple nights, but still churning out some podcasts. So I alluded to this at the beginning. Uh, tomorrow, this will be exclusive for Patreon supporters. So sign up if you're not a member. Uh, Kyle's going to be talking. Award-winning author, Liam O'Rourke, also a patron of the show, longtime supporter of ours, but also, an, as you all know, an award-winning author, Liam wrote one of the best wrestling biographies of all time on Brian Pillman, Crazy Like a Fox, 2017 Wrestling Observer Newsletter Book of the Year winner. And those two are going to talk about Brian Pillman 25 years later. You could not have a better guest on the line to hear it exclusively for our patrons. So that is going to drop Monday night, Wednesday night, myself, Justin and Kyle, this month's Top Rope Nation Classics Patreon exclusive Bad Blood 97. It's going to be over two hours. Going to be a great time. Yet again, going back to 1997 WWF. So we'll have three, including this one, that's three podcasts dropping this week. But to hear two of them, you got to be a Patreon member. So patreon.com slash top rope nation. And then we'll be coming back next week strong as well. Again, Appreciate you joining us today. Jesse Velasquez, check out Pro Wrestling Unplugged and Undeniable. It's a great show. Jesse does great work over there. Check out his writing at SE Scoops and my own writing over at SE Scoops. You can find me at Ryan Droste. That's D-R-O-S-T-E on Twitter. The show at Top Rope Nation. Join our discussion group. Search Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling Discussion on Facebook. And the link is here in the broadcast description. We will be talking to you all again very soon. 
Have a great week. 